1: Pull of earth is losing its grip on your soul as now you realize more you are being pulled towards the things of God what's happening you are beginning to make a break with sin while it's not your practical experience that you don't make a total break with sin it is now becoming the desire of your heart that you would no longer walk
0: in your old ways Becoming a Christian is much more than just reciting a prayer. It is admitting that no one can live a life good enough to make it to heaven, and that we need the free gift of forgiveness that Jesus provided by His death on a cross. As we learn more and more about Jesus and allow Him to have more and more access to our hearts, our desires begin to change. Pastor Jim encourages us today to spend more time with Jesus every day and allow His ways to become our ways. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with part one of his message entitled, Three Important Decisions.
1: Well, I wonder how many of you can say that you know what you want for your life. Do you have goals? Would you say you have goals? Are you pursuing after something in particular, or perhaps you're just going through the motions of life? For those of you with goals, and I probably would say that most of you that I know do have many goals in your life, I think you know that... Almost always, in reaching your goals, there will be some cost associated with it. Things that are really worthwhile just don't happen on their own. There has to be some sort of an investment of time, money, resources, your own gifts and talents. And also, reaching your goals will typically involve lots of sacrifice. Maybe things that you will not be able to do because you're trying to reach your goals. I was really fortunate in the business world to semi-retire at a very young age, and so sometimes people would say to me, boy, I wish I had that life, and I would say to them, you know, it was many, many years of probably when you got up, I was already at work, and although I came home a lot of nights for dinner, probably when you were home watching TV, I was still working into the wee hours of the night. I don't know that if I would do it again, but I do know that involved a lot of sacrifice. The truth of the matter is, most of us know this, that when we work hard for goals, sometimes our hard work pays off and our dreams come true. Uh, other times it ends up a total disaster. That ever happened to you? You worked really hard for something and it just ended up being a total disappointment and you felt like this massive failure and, and most of the time it probably ends up something in between. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're not, really glad that you're here. And if you're a follower of Jesus, most people would say, if you say, well, what's your goal in life? They all say something like, well, I want the Lord's will. You know, it sounds very, very spiritual. But I don't know about you. I Fortunately, I get to study the Bible all week long, and boy, God's will sometimes is just not that clear. And I think Jesus' will was probably summed up in two words that he said to people, and it was, follow me. And, and sometimes my answer to follow me is, okay? <laughs> like I, I, what does that exactly mean? But what is clear about it is that our goals must fit into his. We really don't want to go outside of his goals if we're followers of Jesus. And also, I've learned, and I am learning, trust me, I'm a chronic learner, and God is going to always remind me that I am, that our plans cannot be held on to too tightly because sometimes life just changes or things just change. And we have to be really flexible in terms of how we're going to plan our lives. There's another thing we have to be careful of. Uh, do any of you have any friends, or, or your, maybe your boss, or do any of your friends have an exciting plan for your life? <laughs> Do you ever meet somebody who has, they just, they have your life totally plotted out. Of course, those people typically have no life of their own, right? But they've got everybody else's life plotted out. And, you know, sometimes when people have plans for us, sometimes their plans are good. Sometimes their plans are clearly wrong, but other times they're really hard to tell, And interestingly enough, the night before Jesus was crucified, he prayed for believers that would follow after those days, and he prayed that we would be in the world, but we would be kept from evil. So a world that he considered in many ways, there's some good parts to it, but in many ways is evil. And he wants us here, but he doesn't want us to be part of the evil that's going around really so we can bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God saves people, forgives their sins, and gives them eternal life by, because of the perfect life, death, and resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. And when we put our trust in him, we can have eternal life. And so he wants us to tell people about that. But the problem is, is how do we do that in a completely anti-Jesus world where it seems like a lot of people just want to do their own thing? Now, there's an old expression, so this is how we test how old everybody is. The more things change, the more they remain the same. And 1 Peter is writing about 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. Here, Peter's writing the letter of 1 Peter. And he's writing to a people that are in the area, what we call today Turkey. They're living in the Roman Empire. And the Romans, they tolerated the Christians to a point at about this time now. There's a lot of verbal persecution that's going on, not so much physical where they are in the outlying areas, but that's going to happen in the future. And basically what's happening is the Christian value system is at odds with the value system at the time of the Roman Empire. Now... A lot of people in the Roman Empire, we see this in the area of Corinth and some of the other areas, are into a philosophical thought we know as hedonism. You know what hedonism, right, is? That it's just seeking physical pleasure. But really, I think that most people in the world, at least that we're aware of, live what we would call Epicureanism. Now epicureanism for I'm going to really make it simple and then move on is basically the pleasure of the mind and the absence of pain. So basically it's the American dream of wanting everything to be easy, wanting everything to be comfortable. And it should be obvious that humanity particularly American culture. If you want to know what American culture is about, I always say the two great indicators are the music and the commercials. I'll just tell you, people in music, they are expressing what they feel and what they're about. And in marketing and in commercials, they're telling us really what we want. And humans are geared towards minimum suffering and maximum pleasure, which that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Right? But that's because that's the way we're wired. And I think sometimes even in the church, you know, the pastors that want to tell everybody, you know, each week how to be happy and not to have any suffering, they're, they're packing the house, although that might not be the reality of the existence for a Christian. We don't really sing it too much anymore. There's something called the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Notice the song doesn't go praise God from whom all suffering flows. I mean, that's just not something we sing, although suffering can be included in the blessings of God. Now, last week we were in a very complex passage, and we're moving out of that, but we're still in some of the complexities of what Peter is explaining to us this week. And last week he was talking about that Christian suffering is real. That if you're going to go out and you're going to be an authentic Christian, not some judgmental, overbearing ogre, but if you're going to be you know, a genuine Christian, all right, there's going to be some suffering because some people are not going to like that. And we can't ignore that. We can't pretend that it doesn't exist. And if you really want the Lord's will when it comes to suffering... You're going to have to make, what's the title of our message today, is three important decisions. Three important decisions. So uh, if you're taking notes, we'll do them one, two, and three. That's easy enough, right? So important decision number one is living the will of God. Living the will of God. Now, these two verses, lots of car, you know, complex stuff in them, so I'm going to read the first two verses through, and then I'll go back and I will massively interrupt Peter. So... Verse one, therefore, since Christ uh, suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, verse two, that he no longer should live, The rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So I stole my outline point from Peter, all right? Living in the will of God. So let's go through it again slowly. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us, remember we said last week, his suffering was not just his death, it was the entirety of his life. His death was considered to be part of his suffering. Since Christ also suffered for us in the flesh, that would mean his humanity, his suffering that he went through through his life, his dying on the cross, and then he says arm yourselves with the same mind a lot of your versions say arm yourselves with the same attitude the Holman Christian Standard Bible which is an excellent translation says this equip yourselves also with the same resolve i love that word resolve jb phillips the english guy i like to read in his paraphrase says this fortify yourself with the same inner attitude that he talking about jesus must have had and then we So we're going, okay, we're going to have this resolve. We're going to fortify ourselves. We're going to arm ourselves. Then we get into another controversy like we saw last week. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, that statement seems 100% impossible. 100% impossible. Because if he's talking about Jesus, Jesus never sinned, so it couldn't possibly be Jesus. Can we agree that it couldn't possibly be Jesus? Okay, but then it would mean believers. Believers, you might want to just quickly ask the person next to you, if you happen to live with them, if you ever sin when you suffer, right? (laughs) You're like, I don't have enough nerve to ask that question, Pastor Jim. Okay, so there's some confusion there. And then he goes on to verse 2, says that he, this would be someone who believes, no longer should live. So something has changed, something has ended, so should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh, for the lusts of men, some of your versions say for human desires, but, so we're not going to live the way we used to live anymore, but we're going to live for the will of God. So in chapter 3, Peter taught us that following Jesus Christ in suffering for the kingdom of God was the pathway to victory and was the pathway to glory. In that sense, you are following in Jesus' footsteps Because he suffered for the kingdom and now is in the kingdom and we will follow him in the same way. And we talked about that as we suffer for the kingdom of God, while some people will mock us, most people will probably be indifferent to us, other people, there will be some that will see the suffering and by the power of the Holy Spirit will supernaturally be attracted to Jesus Christ and the work that he's doing in and through our lives. But here he's talking about something very different. Here he's talking about having a willingness to suffer for the kingdom of God in the sense that we are ready to suffer when God calls upon us to suffer for the kingdom. And he says here, by being ready for this suffering, this will help you not to sin when the suffering comes. So you're not surprised. You tell somebody about Jesus, they make fun of you. You know, my wife and I, every time we leave our neighborhood and every time there's a party, I always go, yep, another party where Pastor Jim and his wife are not invited, right? <laughs> because, because they're like, oh, that's the religious zealot who lives up at, the end of the, up at the end of the cul-de-sac, okay? And that's okay, that's okay. They probably don't even know who I am, half of them. That's all right, that's all right. And so, but we want to avoid sinning when we're called to suffer, so he's saying be ready to suffer. But this has a very, very deep meaning because your suffering is not wasted because when you and I suffer without sinning, we are following in the footsteps of Jesus. Not only we suffer and expect to suffer, but when we suffer, remember it's, we already covered a couple of weeks ago that when he was reviled, when he was made fun of, when he was abused verbally and physically, he did not revile back. And when we do the same thing, we are walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And notice Peter tells us it begins with our attitude and our thinking. He says, arm yourselves, prepare your mind. This is battle language. He is saying suffering is inevitable. So prepare your mind for the battle. And so why would he say it at the level of your mind? Because isn't this what knocks so many people out of the Christian life? Things get a little hard. It gets a little hot in the kitchen, right? And what do people do? Oh, God must not love me. Oh, God must not be in control. Oh, God must not care. So they exit because the suffering has come to them somehow in the Christian life. Or this is another one that you see a lot. You hear from people in churches they are like, well, I was offended. Now, they don't say that. They'll just say, well, they said this to me or they did this to me. But they were offended and they quit. But here's what's sad, friends, is the very thing that the Lord is using to strengthen our resolve and to strengthen our faith is the very thing that often gets us to quit. Remember we've said many times, the other guy, you know who the other guy is, right? We don't like to talk about the other guy too much, except when he's not in the Bible as much as some people think he is. He's always trying to get us to what? To quit. He's always trying to get us to quit. And so often God uses these things to strengthen us, but because of our pride, because of us thinking that, well, God should owe us something, you know, a lot of people that things don't go well in their life, they're ready to quit. We quit and it, our faith is weakened. Now, I think the key is actually found in the strange part at the end of verse 1. He says, For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, we'll agree that we don't cease from sin, right? If you're married, you're married to a sinner. You're like, Amen! <laughs> okay, I know, we all know that, right? Okay. And so even if you're not married, you're a sinner, right? We all know that. And so we look at this passage and we say, has ceased from sin. And remember we said last week, sometimes we look at what's not clear and our eyes just go to that and we miss what is clear, what is clear. So we can find out what he's saying From what is clear. So, what does it mean to suffer in the flesh? Well, I actually think he gave us a hint back in chapter 3, verse 17, when he said, For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good, that would be the Lord's will sometimes, than for doing evil. So it's better to suffer, and you're like that is such common sense. It's better to suffer if you're doing what God wants, and for some reason that brings suffering than it is for suffering for you know breaking the law, not performing well at your job, etc. Now, you have to stay with me here because this is very, very important. This is a hugely important basic. To Christian living and remember we said now we're moving into the Christian living section of Peter's letter Peter's epistle here okay and so what is he telling us here that your and my willingness to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ your and my willingness to suffer for the kingdom of God is an evidence to you to all of us and to the whole world that the grace of God is upon you it is in evidence you're willing to suffer for the kingdom of God is an evidence to everyone that you have undergone what the Bible calls the new birth, that you were once dead in your trespasses and sins, but now by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, God has borne you anew. And you are now a child of God destined for the kingdom of God. It proves that you are now a child of God. It proves that you are now a citizen of heaven. And what's happening? The pull of earth is losing its grip on your soul. As now you realize more, you are being pulled towards the things of God. What's happening you are beginning to make a break with sin. While it's not your practical experience that you don't make a total break with sin, it is now becoming the desire of your heart that you would no longer walk in your old ways. And what's happening is obeying God is now more important to you than avoiding hardship. You would actually rather be obedient to what God commands even if you know it brings trouble into your life. Now we live in a contemporary Christian culture that you know we always tend to be off in so many different ways and one of the things we're always talking about is we gotta go to the mountaintop, right? And I love the mountaintop, trust me. I love the mountaintop. But I think if we're honest, most of us can honestly say that we've met God more in the valleys than we have in the mountaintop. We've met God more in the place of testing and refinement than we have in the areas of, let's say, success, right? Because when there's success, we tend to be like, well, of course the success, God. Check me out, man. I mean, what do you think, right? But when there's failure, we tend to be like, how did this happen to me? But, you know, if you're not a Christian, you know the way you become a Christian? is when you get to the bottom of the barrel, and you know that at the bottom of the barrel it's only you and Jesus, and you realize that you're at the bottom of the barrel because you put yourself there, and he let you get there. Sometimes people who are close to becoming a Christian say to me, Pastor Jim, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. I say, let's pray God greases that rope, brother. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Because you don't want to live at the end of your rope too long. And so Peter is teaching us that suffering and not sinning, that suffering and not turning your back on the Word of God is actually a faith-strengthening experience for the follower of Jesus Christ. It proves that you're making a break with selfishness. It proves that you're making a break with the idol of comfort and ease, and you would now rather follow Jesus Christ than anything else. And the truth of the matter is, we think about martyrs and the great saints of old, and few, if any of us, will be called to die for our faith, but we'll all be called to die with faith. We're all called to maintain the lifestyle of faith all the way to the grave, but it's important to see that we're all called to sacrifice. We're all called to sacrifice our time and our money. We're all called to sacrifice our personal peace, our comfort level, and even our pride for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, Luke 9, 23, okay? He said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, and some versions say come with me or be my disciple, Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, Peter's just ripping off Jesus again, isn't he? He's just saying this is what it looks like in a practical sense. This is what it means by ceasing from sin. It means that instead of our default response when people come up against us is to defend ourselves. Instead of our default response is to always get what we want. Our default response is becoming that we want to obey the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And who modeled this better for us? the Lord Jesus himself that same chapter Luke chapter 9 verse 51 says now it came to pass when the time had come for him to received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem Jesus knew when it was time to go to the cross his attitude his mind was that's where I'm going to go Jesus armed himself with an attitude that it is better to suffer in the will of God than to have it easy outside the will of God So contemporary Christian culture again, what do we say? Well, a lot of people say, well, just settle your business with God today. You know, come up to the front and invite Jesus into your heart. And It's almost like you're buying life insurance or something like that and you'll never have to worry again and then you can go your own merry way. That's not what the Bible says. Here in verse two, he says, this is a life to be lived for the rest of our lives. We are to live the rest of our lives in the will of God. Coming to Jesus, if you, if you want to come to Jesus, you have to come in repentance and faith. You have to turn to God. You have to be willing to submit yourself to living for the Lord for the rest of your life. And the Christian life is a life of daily submission. I know this may shock you, but often in the Christian life, you're gonna be asked by God to do what's right instead of what you want. Real shocker, right? But that's what's going to happen who modeled this again? Better for us than Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before his crucifixion where he says to the Father, Lord, if there's any other way for the salvation of us, for our forgiveness of sins, let this cup, the cup of God's wrath, pass for me. And heaven was silent. So what is it? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. And so when we suffer, instead of living how we used to, Instead of living how we're wired and reacting how we're wired, it's so important for us to remember that God
0: is good. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archived broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Glance at the clock right now and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.